Welcome to Out of Game Episode 14. In today's episode, we're again joined by special guest Tim as we discuss unusual sized animals, Spyfall, the Out of Game Hall of Fame, and answer some random questions from Chris. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go out of game. Future Ryan here. So, as many of you know, Out of Game has some big news to share with everyone. However, we found out about said big news after recording episode 14. So you're not going to hear much about that in episode 14. And I'm not going to mention what it is in case you don't know. But just know that we will be celebrating said big news in episode 15, where you will hear a lot more about it. Anyways, back to the show. Welcome to Out of Game, episode 14. Episode 14. I'm well, still here. <laughs> Tim's still here. We have, a, once again, special guest, Tim. Welcome back. Hey! Tim, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I know, it's been a while. Since the last episode. So it's good to see you again. It seems like years. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for showing up again. This, this episode, we don't have like a, a single topic in Table Talk. We have three smaller topics. These are some random odd questions that Chris thought up during Gen Con this year. And we just wanted to just jump in and answer these, these questions that he had. So you know, we're going to talk about uh, celebrities a little bit. Going to talk about some some co-op stuff and uh, going to talk about something with graphic design. I'm not going to give any more detail yet. Curious. Hmm. We'll leave you guys hanging a bit. But before we jump into all that, why don't we go to the spawn point? Spawn point. Here we are in the spawn point. So, Chris, why don't you kick us off? You know, I was thinking about a game we played last week. The pirate game. It's the name of a deep. Dark. Deep Dark, also known as Black Fleet. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought it was, Black Fleet. Yeah, this this game, there's a couple interesting things about this game. So if anybody's played it, the object is pretty simple, right? You know, you're trying to gather resources, i.e. money. Like it turns into money and then the game winds down when you get to your last, you flip your last uh, coin or... Want me to jump in here? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that's a matter. Okay. It's not that important. <laughs> so there's an interesting dynamic, and I'm glad we're all here. I've got Ryan to my left and Tim to my right, and the three of us were in this game along with um, Chris, Chris Johnson is also there. So we're playing this game, and both Tim and Ryan attacked other ships on the board. But if you'll notice something interesting that happened, we all went after Ryan. <laughs> and you remember this, yeah, right? Yeah, Be- because I went after you. Right, so there, there's a dynamic in a lot of these games where if somebody goes after me, I think Chris Johnson has the same flawed gene that I do because we don't like when people go after us, yeah. and we find it more satisfying to go back at them revenge. and get revenge rather than win the game. In fact, that becomes equivalent to winning the game in some ways. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened in the game. So we had myself, Chris Johnson, both going after Ryan, and then Tim just kind of you know, went from port to port collecting resources and having his way with the pirate ships. And it was like one of the biggest blowouts I've ever been a part of. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. <laughs> so you, I think you, you had some points you wanted to make about that game. Okay, so I need to explain the rule, how you win the game. You, everyone has five cards they need to flip over. And these cards are worth, to flip them over, it costs them a certain amount of gold. So the point of the game is to collect gold so you can flip over these cards. 
And every time you flip over a card, it gives you a special ability. And these abilities are randomized, so it'll be different every game. And every round, you're only allowed to flip over one card. So what ended up happening was Tim had like three cards flipped over. And I think maybe we each had like one. So Tim got a huge lead on us. And then because you can't flip over more than one card around, Tim was flipping over a card like every round. And so there's no way to catch him to the point that we actually had to just end the game prematurely, even though there was another round left because it was impossible to catch Tim, which in hindsight, we should probably do that in more games because if you see that it's an inevitable win, well, 10 minutes in, it usually is right. (laughs) When you're playing with him, <laughs> maybe maybe wouldn't enjoy gaming as much. But so you know, Chris was Chris didn't like this game. I'm just gonna say it for him, and he he was kind of complaining. You can tell when Chris doesn't like a game because as he's taking his move, he does like the commentary and the play by play at the same time. So he'll like tell you what he's doing, and then he'll complain about it. Wait, like what's an example of that? He'll he'll be like, all right, I'm gonna move my guy here because I can do so much on my turn. Like, oh, you're talking about sarcasm. Yeah, like yeah. so. Yeah, I pretty much did nothing on my turn. All right, it's your turn, Tim. I'm done now. My turn's over. I didn't do anything. <laughs> well, think about it. Tim moved his ship probably 20 spaces somehow just by using cards and different abilities and stacking them. I moved my ship three, three. and so he did like seven things on his turn. I, I moved my ship three, and my turn ended, and it was kind of embarrassing to go after him. <laughs> And so to not say something like that would be a mistake. I mean, it's a wasted opportunity for a profound difference in turn effectiveness. So I need to explain a couple of things about this game. First of all, I didn't buy this game to be like a strategic game. Black Fleet is supposed to be a less than an hour, just fun, attack your friends type of game. So I bought this as for exactly what we used it for, which was it was like 11 o'clock at night at the end of the game night. And we wanted to play something before we left. And so we played this because it was like a light game. So I need to I need to make that yeah. I need to establish that ahead of time. Now, I do agree with what Chris said at the end of the game, which was this game has a runaway leader problem, which I agree with. But I think there's some ways to fix it. So the first way I, I thought of is what we should have been doing the whole time, and this was this is back to Chris's point. Chris was trying to get revenge on me for some for, for attacking him in the beginning of the game, which is the whole point of the game is attacking each other. That's not true. Yeah, it is. It's not the whole point. Well, that's how you get points. It's one way to get points. It's the only way to get it's, points. No, you no, you, you can do just deliver. you can do complete shipping only. And okay, yeah, you could, that'd be boring. Or you could that use, would be boring. That's you one could of use the navy to destroy attack pirate people. ships. Attack the pirate ships. Yeah, which so, are other people? Not the merchant ships. No, pirate ships are other people's. The merchants. Uh, well, but I think, I think, I think his issue is more that you're taking his cargo than ah, sinking his pirate ship. It's a big difference when you took his bananas and he didn't like it. Well, not just that. He took the bananas and then danced on them. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Chris about this after the game. Was it was how like you liked attacking? It was. It was and fun. Tim was like kind of apologetic almost. Yeah. I was like, "All right, we can kind of understand that." Yeah. What Tim? Was, you're like you like flip this the ship over. And you're like oh, gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. He just showed us up. <laughs> so this is what I think we should try next time. If you can get over the revenge problem. We should just, when Tim starts winning, so when, when he somehow flips over three cards in the first round, even though it's against the rules, Tim will find a way to do it. And then we <laughs> all, we just need to go after Tim. Well, the getting over the revenge problem is fixed when you don't go after a non-leader. Right. 
So we, if we all just go after Tim, regardless of how close we are we'll to go each after other, the leader. Like if if Chris or I were the leader and you went after us, then that makes sense. But then if somebody else is the leader and you're going after us, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So I I think maybe the game is designed to do that to gang up on the leader. Yeah, it's a cutthroat to balance game, it out. We weren't playing cutthroat. The other thing is the last card you flip over is cost ten. There's actually another card in the game that costs twenty, and the ten point card is supposed to be when you're just learning the game. And they and it says in the rules to play the last card is twenty. That will give that will make the game last a little longer. So right. it would give people it a, chance a chance to catch to be up. Cutthroat, yeah. yeah. So I think next time we should try the twenty point card and be smart about how we actually work together. Right. But did did you want to say anything else about this game? You you seem to have a, a huge issue with it. The game itself wasn't bad. I, I thought it was a fun game. I just I, I was to be honest, I wasn't very good at the game. So part of the blame is on me. I mean, I was I, I flipped over cards that weren't that good, and it was my first time playing, so I was learning. But I, I don't like when cutthroat games are designed that way, and then we don't go after the leader. That bothers yeah. me. And uh, you're right. I, part of that is on me for going after you, but then you shouldn't have gone after the non-leader kind right. of thing. So I, we, we need to like work together better in that game. I like the, some of the dynamics. I like the movement. I like the way you can... You you draw two you have basically have two cards all the time and you pick which one is better for that situation right, right. so you know there's some good things about it uh, but it's kind of a simple game right and and I don't know I don't know how strategic it is really it's not hugely strategic it's more like the way I see this game is like we've been playing Colt Express a lot mm-hmm. Th- this would be like an alternative to Colt Express for that same scenario where you have less than an hour and you don't want to play anything too thinky. Yeah, and you know, now that you mention it, I wish Colt Express was more cutthroat. Yeah. Because you can see who the leader is in that game, too, but can't do very that rarely does it. it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you if that's true, unless you talk openly. Right. But we'll, we'll have to talk about Colt Express sometime. Yeah. Colt Express is rising on it's my It's an list. underrated yeah, game. It's pretty good. You know what's interesting about Colt Express? <laughs> I just want to say one last thing about Colt Express. <laughs> Colt Express is a game on paper. I shouldn't like that game. True. But I but I enjoy playing. I lose a lot at it, um, but I always have fun. It's a, it's a really fun game to play, and we we really should spend some time maybe next podcast breaking that game down. You're probably right. I, I think it deserves the, to get a, a little review from us. It's what would be the Robo Rally fix. Yeah, it, it's, it makes Robo Rally obsolete. Yeah, Robo Rally is obsolete by every other game. I think. Anyway, this game does <laughs> what Robo what Robo Rally tried to do. Though. Yeah. But to give Roborelli credit, I mean, I think he probably came up with that idea first. Right. So just this is executed better. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Garfield deserves some props always because it's Richard Garfield. Job, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Maybe we'll have him on the show someday. Probably not. All right, (laughs) Tim. Your turn. (laughs) Oh, this year. Oh, playing around with my uh, Hearst Arts stuff. Um, What? Yes. This is. This is. uh, was that English? This was Hearst Arts. It's a uh, basically is kind of a building thing. It's almost like building models, except you're doing your own casting of blocks, and you can build castles. And oh, towers. I remember you buying this stuff. Yeah, now. so there's there's just simple silicone molds that uh, you cast blocks with with dental uh, plaster, and uh, you you build your own castles and walls and stuff. So I've been happily building stuff that uh, we actually use doing our role playing stuff, which uh, we've also been doing some D and D another group of friends kind of a kickback to the old dungeons and dragons how which, old uh i mean these are guys that i went to junior high with and wow. stuff and and of course my brothers who of course we've been doing it i've been doing role-playing since the fourth grade wow 
This is kind of a kickback because I'm typically a GURPS player. You hate D&D. Yes, Steve Jackson, thank you. <laughs> but uh, one of my buddies wanted to do a, this old kickback campaign to D&D, so we're doing that right now, and it uh, just kind of reinforces my love for uh, GURPS. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's your what's your main beef with D and D again? Just to the D and D is just it's the it's the leveling. My character never changes till I go up a level, and you know, especially you get up there, you're fifth, sixth level now. It's like my guy does not change for the next three, four months of playing, and then it's just the combats are all pound down hit point. You know, you can almost go into a battle. I've got three third level fighters and twenty orcs. You can almost do the math. You go, yep, we can win that, and you can do it. Yeah. GURPS is much more tactical, much more calling shots, cutting people, you know, to do better wounds based on armor and all this stuff. And it's just, I think it's it adds a lot more dynamics to combat, and the skills are, you know, by far better. I mean, your GURPS, your, your GURPS character can have 20, 30 skills. You know, if your D&D character has 20 or 30 skills, he's probably 150th level <laughs> because you get, like, three a level. If you're lucky. You know, Tim, I think we're going to have to bring you back sometime and talk about this. Because I I actually like the D&D system type of system better. Oh. And it it could be a whole discussion topic. So I I think we should bring you back and talk about this sometime. Yeah, and what's funny, this is another reason why we should do it is because I'm kind of in between. Right. There there are some things I like better about D&D and some things that are better about GURPS. It's more precise. GURPS is a little more accurate. You feel like what happened is the way it would happen. But with D&D, it moves along faster. So that plays to my ADHD. I like the, uh, the quick yeah. move, move it along, focus more on the storyline and the fighting. But then when there's a battle, I get really frustrated with the D&D system because it, there's like sometimes unrealistic things that happen. But I, I have a love for the spell system, too. And some of the GURPS spells are broken. It seems yeah. like all of some of the D&D ones are broken, yeah. too. So I don't know. That could be an interesting discussion. <laughs> I've been a lot. This was already on the list, so we should revisit this. I, yeah. I, I've called it level-based versus points-based role-playing. Oh, yeah. So that, that's kind of how I look at it. So I wanted to quickly talk about a game that came out last year. It, was, it got some pretty good buzz. It's designed by the same uh, designer as Seasons. It's called Lords of Zidit. Zidit is spelled with an X. X-I-D-I-T. Of course. I don't think either of you guys have played this. But if you spell something with an X, it's instantly one notch better. Yeah. So Zidit is actually the world that Seasons is set in. So it uses like the same world. And this is another program movement game. So like we were talking about Cult Express. Mm. And this one, you have this... It's actually a cool component. It has six wheels on it. And you, you program like your six moves for your character. And then like everyone does that in secret. And then you put them down. And then you do like everyone's first move and everyone's second move. So you're like moving around this board. And what you're trying to do is... You're going to these locations to get... Actually, it's like uh, kind of like Lords of Waterdeep. You're getting like wizards and clerics and fighters, and then you're going to other locations that, that require certain, type, certain combinations of characters to kill monsters. And when you kill a monster, there's uh, three different things you can get that equate to points at the end. I'm not going to go into huge detail. The, the problem... I actually want to talk about a problem I have with this game. I, I, might, I might get rid of this game. I'm on the fence about it. Whoa. I actually... I enjoyed playing the game when I was playing, but a problem happens in this game when you play it in person. Every time you either empty one of the things of resources, it's like the circular tile that has five resources on it. And when it empties, you have to bring out a new one. So each each resource tile has five uh, little miniature guys on it of different colors. And you have to set them perfectly around this tile on the spot where they're located so that when someone goes to that tile... They have to take these guys off in a specific order. So the turns are happening real fast, but then one of these tiles will empty, and you have to like pause the game 
bring out the the new tile because the, this tile this tile went away. So to bring out a new one, they have to get out the the minis that are supposed to go on it, like the five different colored ones, and they have to perfectly set them on this tile. And this is happening like all the time. So it's like imagine you're playing Colt Express, and then like two people do a move, and then you have to stop. You need to bring something out and like refill it with components. That's annoying. And to top that off, in Cult Express, you're not thinking about what you're doing because there's like really not many decisions to make. But in this game, certain actions do require you to make decisions. But your thought process is constantly being interrupted by refilling components on the board. And it's so frustrating because for someone like me, people usually want me to be the, the guy that does this, right? Like people look to me to like do maintenance on the yeah, board right. or like answer why, why is that anyway? It's rules questions. I have a theory by the way that the reason I suck at games is because I'm constantly asked questions about the rules when we're playing and I can't think about my strategy. Could be. I mean, oh my god, when we were playing Roll for the Galaxy at yeah. Gen Con, every 30 seconds or 15 seconds, someone was asking me a rule. I could not think at all. <laughs> it's really annoying. But, but anyways, the, my point is, this game is really fiddly. I would call it the very fiddly game. Fiddly. Because you're fiddling with Yeah, stuff. you're like fiddling with all the stuff, and you can't think. And it, and it makes me, it's making me not want the game. So I'm on this, I'm on the fence now, because I actually like the game when I was playing it, if I could take out all that. Like, if, if I could sit in a room and we just played it digitally, when all that stuff happened, and just actually... generated automatically. Yeah, this stuff, this game is actually on Board Game Arena, so you could do that, technically. I think I would enjoy it more. I'm on the fence about either trying to find a way to fix the fiddliness or just getting rid of the game. And the only thing I can think of for fixing it is one thing that's annoying is these are miniature guys, so you really have to like stand them up. Like in, like in um, Five Tribes. You know how we always have to stand up all the meeples? Yeah, Five Tribes that only plays four. <laughs> right. So you have to stand up the, the, the guys around the thing. I thought of, even though the miniatures are cool, I thought of just getting rid of them all and replacing them with cubes. Because cubes, you could just take the five cubes and just drop it on the tile. Well, it would be or, so much faster. order still mattered. Well, the order is by color. So technically, you could just take the five miniatures and drop them off, and everyone just knows what color to grab. So why not do that? Because it looks like a mass grave. Oh, so this is now, it's it's not... That so if they're cubes it's okay but if they're yeah because the, the cubes would still be like symmetrically so this balanced is the OCD and, thing kicking in mm-hmm. yeah, yeah big time because yeah, you'll you'll learn that that kicks in every podcast yeah. at least once <laughs> so <laughs> so if they're cubes I would still be annoyed that they're not in the right order but I would I'd actually be okay with it and actually in this game it overtook my OCD. At the end of the game, we were just dropping the guys on the thing. Wow. And I did geez. not care. Wow. Because it was so annoying to refill it all the time. Wow. So it, it, just getting rid of the, the guys and having cubes I, might fix it. It might be worth it. Any way to pre-populate future boards so no. you can just pull them in? No, because you'd still have to like fill it up even if it was on the side. Yeah, but you could do that before the game even starts. Fill up four boards. No, you can't because uh, there's like a pile of them. So okay. only the top one could be refilled. Anyway, Lords of Zidit. I recommend playing it in real time on Board Game Arena and probably not playing it in person. But maybe the cube thing will fix it. I'll, I'll try. I'll pull some cubes out of other games and give it a shot and report back. Which will probably be in like two years because I don't replay games very often. <laughs> so anyway, Lords of Zidit. What's your magic number? We talked about my magic wrong. number. You're you're right. We haven't. It's a thirty-five. Wow. Uh, nice. How is that possible after going to Gen Con? Uh, well, at Gen Con, I, we did play a lot of new games, but I was teaching you guys games I already knew because there's this requirement in our group that you have to be really good at teaching the rules. So yeah, that is a requirement. Yeah. So I had to teach games that I already knew, and actually, I didn't even know Roll for the Galaxy that well. And I think people were getting frustrated when I was teaching that one. But like Puerto Rico, I knew really well. So thirty-five and. 
if you haven't, if anyone hasn't been following, I've actually started graphing out my progress. So uh, I created a geek list where I list all the games that are in my magic number uh, in a geek list. And as I play games, I, I delete them from the list. And then I have a running commentary on each game that I play, like just my, like a quick synopsis of my thoughts on the game. And then I created a graph uh, on Google that you can go out and see like my, like the line chart. (laughs) And right now it just, it looks like a heartbeat rhythm. So it just goes like up and down, up and down, up and down. So I've been fluctuating between like 38 and 33. Just, it hasn't gone below 33 in a long time. So Mm -hmm. do you keep a number of play total per game? I could pull that actually. That would be interesting. I have all my stats. That would be more interesting to see which ones you're actually playing multiple times it's versus. the ones that i bring every time to our game nights huh? yeah those are getting a lot of play so you guys have been a little better about learning new games recently though so i, I can't complain too you've much. been better about teaching them yeah it's a skill i've had to hone over time yeah. gotta please people all right that's our spawn point so i think it's time to move on to a listener question listener we have a question we have a really really deep question this time oh it's deep this question comes from reed henninger co-worker of mine Reed asks, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Chris. This is an easy one. Okay. Definitely 100 duck-sized horses. Wrong. Easily. Totally wrong. It's wrong. Here, I can explain why. Tim says it's wrong. It has to be wrong. Well, here's why. Okay. So when you hear my answer, maybe you'll, you'll agree. So this is a combat situation, right? Yeah. You're fighting. So... If you have a horse-sized duck, first of all, that's pretty formidable. I mean, size-wise alone. Okay. Because I don't know how much the horse weigh. Like a ton? A ton. Yeah. So that's a problem, especially it can fly, so you could have an aerial assault issue. <laughs> if you have if you have these little, like, duck-sized horses, so they're, how, how, duck isn't even a foot. Okay. So I've been watching a lot of Walking Dead lately. And one of the things I've noticed on that show, they effectively use bottlenecking to their advantage because zombies, zombies aren't very smart. They just kind of come toward you and attack you. They think you're you're food or whatever, but there's not a lot of thought into their actions. So while they're sort of dangerous, if you bottleneck them, so there's only one at a time, you can just kind of pike their head and you get the, (laughs) the, the brain. (laughs) <laughs> One at a time. You'd, you'd take down a significant number number of them. So if you get these little mini horses into some sort of bottleneck, okay. they can't fly like the huge mammoth-sized duck can. Okay. And you can just step on them or kick them. Okay. So just one at a time. So your answer involves the strategy of fighting them. Yeah, because I don't think they're not they're not going to be very well formed. What if it was like an open field? Well, you didn't say that. Well, I'm saying it now. I, I want to know if your answer changes. Is there anywhere to run? Can I get to some trees in this open Let's field? say you're in an arena. You have to fight in an arena. Okay. Like like uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Okay, so in an arena, you could stand on something. There would be like obstacles or like even the wall, a little piece of, of stone where you have a little bit of a height advantage. I mean, these are, these are, these are one-foot horses we're talking about. But horses about. can kick pretty hard. Not if they're that little. They could bite you, too. They could bite you, but but you know I've got my boots and I'm just going to kick them one at a time. It's, I think they're, they're, they would go down. I think they're going to. Have you ever seen Jurassic Park? Yeah, but these are not raptors. I thought about that. <laughs> raptors are kind of in sync. You know, they coordinate their their movements and they will flank you. All right. The, the horses don't think that way. All right. They're going to well, be all about the direct. Movement. You know, it's okay to be wrong every now and then, Chris. I, I think <laughs> okay. the, the quantity is going to kick in with your inability to focus. 
<laughs> and after about 10 of them, you'd kind of like lose interest. Yeah, that's and true. And the other 40 or 40, 90 are just going to jump you. Yeah, that's right. Really? After, after yeah. killing 10, you're going to be like, this, this yeah, is boring. The ADHD is just going to kick in. And you'd be like, eh, You're going to think, maybe much, I should try just like. No, it works the opposite. Huh? Yeah, when there's a lot of things going on, I can see all of it. No, huh? but you're bottlenecking it, so it's only one at a time. Yeah, if I bottleneck, then I'm good. But your field example. I can multitask. Okay. Uh, the thing okay. is, this the size. Think of the size. You're talking about a duck. But there's a the hundred of, of them. But they're so little. But what who are cares? They gonna do? They're gonna. They're gonna. This little tiny. They're gonna swarm up your body and like bite your jugular. Swarm. How are they gonna? How are they gonna <laughs> climb? They're duck-sized horses. Yeah, they're too small. Uh, they're going down. I think. Okay. You guys are gonna bite your Achilles tendon. You guys yeah. chose the wrong they're one. Look at these little yeah. teeth. They're like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love. All right, I'm gonna just think the damage ants can do. I'm not really afraid of ants either. Yeah, ants can like take down praying mantises. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Tim, what's your answer? Oh, I, I, I of course chose the uh, the large duck. Yeah, that's the size <laughs> the horse of a horse. sized duck. Easy, yeah. You have to explain why. It's, it's really simple. You once you get into combat with him, you get squared off with him real good. He's, not, he's coming. Yeah, he's up there. You just go up. You give him one real good quack in the head. He's gone. No, nah. a quack in the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know how are you going to reach his head? He's flying. I got a big hammer. He's got to land sometime. Yeah, I don't think he has to. Comes down. I throw some well, bread not, on the then ground. You're not fighting it. I just throw he some a bread. He could just land on. No, it. I just throw some bread on the ground. He's going to have to go eat the bread, and when he's bending down, I just give him a quack in the head. Yeah, <laughs> quack in the head. Okay. <laughs> Put a little salmon there. He'll dive down. Okay. What's your answer. Right? My answer is. Obviously, the horse-sized duck, and I have I have a few reasons. First of all, you could choke it to death, like the man in black choked Fezzik. You could just jump on its back and choke it to death. But even better—that's <laughs> a really good example. Even better than that, you could tame it. <laughs> you could tame a horse-sized duck, and then it would be like your—it'd be like having a horse that could fly. It's like having a dragon. It'd be like it'd be like taming a chocobo. You could, you'd be you really intimidating. Chocobo. You'd be really intimidating looking flying on a on a duck. I know. Yeah. I, I, I could we could we could air bomb eggs. I could tame a horse-sized duck. Thirdly, you could pull out its feathers. You can't pull out the feathers of horses, but when you're fighting a duck, you could pull its does feathers it, does out. Does a duck? Care? It's gonna stun it. It does. Yeah. Will it stun a duck? Yeah. Oh, it will stun a duck. You guys didn't even have the best reason. There's the best. There's a better reason to choose. I've got one more. Duck. Got okay, one. go ahead. All right. My last one is fighting a hundred duck-sized horses is like taking on a circle of. 13 Aes Sedai. You can't do it. It's too strong. Oh my gosh. It's a hundred. Wow. A hundred. Channeling Wheel of Time. <laughs> There's just too many of them. That's it's, random. It's undefeatable. One. They're, they're, okay. One horse-sized duck. All right. I think. It's an easy kill. You guys are going down. <laughs> no way. So there is one advantage to the horse Size duck. Okay. There's one advantage that you guys didn't name because uh, honestly, if the duck has half a brain, it'll just land on you. It'll move out of the way of a duck. Yeah. The duck. It's too fast. Uh huh. <laughs> and that is the duck call. Okay. Is the duck call to your advantage? He's already coming. Well, <laughs> he's, he's trying to kill you. Not if you're, you could be in one of those duck blinds, you know, strategizing, you know, get him out in the open. Where so you this can is like him. ventriloquist can, duck calling? Well, I'm assuming he can't see you because you're hidden, but you still need to attack him. As he's circling around waiting for you to come out so he can land on you and end it in one round, uh-huh. you're using your duck call to kind of get his attention and bring bring him into the air, and then you could use your Fezzik yeah. move. Or you could shoot him with like a horse-sized shotgun. So now we have weapons. Why not? Okay. You're fighting. You're fighting zombies in the prison or something. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's a, exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> 
Thanks, Reed. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Reed. All right, I think it's time to uh, tame the werewolf. What do you think? Let's tame the werewolf. Is it a horse-sized werewolf or a duck-sized werewolf? Uh, duck-sized. So in this uh, Tame the Werewolf, we're going to talk about actually a pretty hot game, recent game called Spyfall that we've had a chance to play quite a few times now. So if you haven't played Spyfall, the idea of Spyfall is everyone, the box comes with 30 different locations. So you'll have 30 bags and each bag has eight cards in it. Eight of those cards have the same location on it. Like for example, it might say the theater. Seven of them. Seven of the cards will have the same picture and all say the theater, and then one card in there will say will be spy, and there'll be no picture. Just say spy. So you hand out these cards to everyone. So thematically this makes no sense, but basically it's like everyone knows they're at the theater, except the spy for some reason doesn't know where they where they are. And so then you take turns asking questions about something about the location. So I might ask Chris, like, Chris, what did you wear here today? And why I'm asking him that is because if Chris is the spy, he doesn't know we're at the theater, so he won't know how to answer the question. So we're trying to weed out the spy. So I'll I'll ask a question that gives some detail. Like everyone who's at the theater will know that the answer makes sense, hopefully, when Chris answers. But the spy is trying to figure out what location we're at. So if Chris answers something too obvious, then the spy can guess that we're at the theater. And that's one of the ways the spy can win. They can just reveal they're a spy and say, okay, I think you guys are at the theater. And if they're right, the spy wins. So what we're trying to do is all the people at the theater trying to figure out who the spy is. And the spy is trying to figure out what the location is. Did I leave anything out? Yeah, the, the key is you can only ask one question. Right. And you, you can whoever you target with the question can answer it however they want. And right. there's no follow-up. Right. And then that person chooses somebody else and asks a question. You just keep repeating that. And then the spy is trying to run the clock out. Yeah, that's one way to win, too. Um, but also trying to figure out where they are. Yeah. Another great thing they did in this game, because it's actually pretty hard to win as a spy, I think, is on every card, everyone has a role at the theater. So, like, Tim might be, like, an actor, and I might be someone in the audience. So when you're asking someone a question, you're supposed to answer it whenever possible as the role that you have on your card, and that can make you look suspicious. For example, let's say you're at the restaurant, but one of the guys is like the cook. So I might ask Tim, like Tim might be the cook, and I ask him, what did you wear today? And he might say something like, like you would think people would wear something nice to a restaurant. Or I might... I might say, um, is it loud around your... And the way he'll answer is the cook, and it won't make sense to someone sitting in the restaurant, so it'll make Tim look suspicious. And it makes it a little easier for the spies. So those are pretty much the rules. There's some point system that we tried to use, like which I'm going to actually talk about later. But first of all, I just want to get... What, what are your guys' general opinions of this game? I, I go back and forth on it. I do like the game. I think the rest of the group probably likes it more than I do. I find it limiting that you can only ask one question. And I, for a social game, it's it's not very social. You know, you, there's not enough dialogue, and I don't like how slow the questioning is. Yeah, you know, uh, people take too long figuring out what to ask and how to answer it, and I just see the clock ticking and worry that the spy is just going to run the clock out. So I do have problems with the game, but I like how simple it is, and for games in this type of genre where you're you know trying to flush out the spy it's pretty it's it's pretty good and if you're just trying to knock out like a you have 30 minutes to kill you could play a few games of this easily yeah the rounds are timed we're, we're mentioning the clock they're eight minute rounds so it's kind of like one night werewolf in that regard they're like eight to ten minute games so you could play this in this yeah, and the scenario. rounds should last 
less time for less people too. That's another thing that another problem I have. When we have a large group like eight people, it's a lot harder to find the spy because you're you have so many people to choose from. Versus if it's a smaller group, the spy is going to have a harder job. Yeah, and they should have a, a lower clock then. Yeah. What do you think, Tim? Well, I, being that I'm not in the same camp as you guys typically on the werewolf-style games, I'm more in the Nathan camp of I'm kind of sick and tired of them okay. in general. Yes. I not, actually, Tim, Tim, you're not invited back. Yes, so. I know, I know. <laughs> but, you're, you're kind of in that. I'm uh, moving towards that camp, yeah. Yes. I, you know, at some point, I, I just want to play the game. I don't care who you are, what you are, and I just want to focus on my strategy and go. That's because you always win. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, though, I do, I do enjoy this incarnation just because it, it is the time based it's a short game you can kind of there's not as much arguing and deducing and convincing right. of people it's question answer question answer question answer i agree it needs to move a little faster in that arena sometimes but i, I do enjoy it for what it is and a change from the normal werewolf style games that get brought up yeah i think the thing i like about this game the most is the lack of discussion which is strange based on how much I like regular werewolf where I love the discussion. But the problem in our group is it's so easy for you guys to figure out when I'm the werewolf. In this game, I, I don't think it's as easy to figure out. Because there's no Chris telling everyone why I'm the werewolf. Chris can only ask me a single question, and then he has to shut up. He can't ask me any follow-up, and I'm not allowed to ask anything back. And I and then I ask someone else. Yeah, you're right. It's easier to lie. It's yeah. To... So the lack of like the group think and discussion, I think, makes this game unique. I do have some problems with the game though, and the one of them is the point system. So uh, the point system, we tried to use it. First of all, it was the rule book is really poorly written. I had to like read through the rules, and it, they weren't even like sections. It was like just like a wall of text. It's horrible, horribly written and laid out rule book. Probably because I I think they rushed the game honestly because it was real popular and. They're trying to get it released. But I had a really hard time just finding, understanding the point system based on how it was written. It was so poorly written. There wasn't even like a bullet list of, this is how you get points. Yeah. It was like you had to read through the whole rule book to figure it all out. I, what we surmised from it was something like, if you were the spy and you guessed the location, you got like four points. And then if you were the person who accused this, if I came out and said, I think Tim is a spy, and we all have to unanimously vote, and if we're, if we're all right... Everyone gets like two points, but then I would get a bonus point for being the person who accused. Three points. No, you get uh, the guy who accused got two, and everybody else got one. Okay, so I would get I would get a total of three points. Everyone else would get one. So Chris figured out that if I accuse someone that he agreed with, he would just downvote it, and then he would accuse them right <laughs> afterwards because he was trying to get the three points, yeah. which backfired on him because as soon before he could do that. I think Tim was actually at the spy. Yeah. Tim immediately flipped over his spy and yeah. guessed our location. Yeah, I saved you and then yeah. wanted to commit yeah. you, but then you yep, figured it out. Yep. So Chris was selfishly trying to get three points and ended up losing us all the but, game. But even though, but even though, well, it was just one round. But right. Yeah. But even though that happened, it was fun. I mean, it was that, funny. That was a fun yeah. turn of events. But it was a flaw. It's because I think that rule system, the point system, is flawed. I do yeah. like the idea of getting credit though for flushing out. Right. Who the spy for being the one who takes that chance. That's always a problem I had with resistance is that there's no there's no way to measure who did best at that game. Yeah. I just think they need to tweak it a bit. 
I just think it's more like whose line is it anyway, and the points don't matter. Yeah, it could be. I think most people don't even use the points. I think we were using it just because we wanted to try it, and Chris likes it. I do. It's because it's the resistance problem. Resistance is so frustrating sometimes because if, if I figure out who the spy is and people don't listen, I still I still want credit for it. Or likewise, if I'm wrong and I accuse, sometimes I'll accuse Tim of being the spy and he's not, then I shouldn't get points for that. But maybe somebody else who did guess correctly should get points. But there's no point system at all in resistance. Yeah. And oftentimes, with the way that goes, it's, it's either like the spies win or the resistance wins, and there's no there's no metric at all, and yeah. I, 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 it's lacking. Yeah, and I think the last problem I had is I don't know why this is a huge oversight on their part, and I think pretty much anyone who's reviewed this has said this: they need cheat cards for everyone. Yeah, that's true. All they needed to do is make a card for each another eight cards that just list all the locations that everyone could look at. Yeah. It's so annoying passing. We like pass around the rule book that has all the pictures in it. Right, because Ryan's point is that if you're the spy, you don't know where the location is. It would be nice to know have a what list. the possible locations <laughs> are so you can, oh, they keep talking about being outside and in sand. Yeah. You know, and so, oh, yeah, there's the beach. Right. You know, so. Yeah, and, and I guess the more you play it, you'll memorize the locations. Right. But you shouldn't have to, though. Right. It's annoying that you can't because... If you're caught looking at that thing at the yeah. the rule book, then it's it's like a huge indicator that you're the spy. Yeah. There's no way around it. So regardless of all of that, it, I actually don't think it matters. I think the game is fun. I, I think it's a fun game. I don't I don't think I like it as much as some of the other ones we play, but it's different. It's unique enough that instead of playing one night Ultimate Werewolf some night, we could play Spyfall, and it's like the same thing, quick yeah. rounds of eight minutes long. Yeah. So I, I think I it's agree. a pretty good game. It won uh, Party Game of the Year, by the way, in the Dice Tower Awards. Even with all the flaws. For last year, yeah. That's because no one plays it with the points. Everyone well, does. the points aren't the You're at a party, flaw. you're drinking and having fun. Yeah, yeah. But, you, but you still have the problem with the sheets. Like, you had to pass well, the sheet around. Well, I, I think people just printed their own things out. Yeah. Like, everyone ignored all those flaws and just for the game itself, yeah. regardless of the production. Because the things we're talking about are more of, like, production issues. The game itself is fun. Yeah. And just, just those minor tweaks and things, uh, it, it won Party Game of the Year, which I think it deserved. Yes. Anyways, that is uh, Spyfall. Recommend giving it a try. Now we're going to move on to a new segment that we're calling, not, <laughs> not very creatively, the Out of Game Hall of Fame. So let me explain the out-of-game Hall of Fame. If you remember, we did a top 10 as our first episode. Chris and I gave our top 10 games. And Chris was kind of giving me a hard time about how my games, some of my games I'd only played one time, and it it didn't uh, compute with him. Like, those could be in my top 10 games. And I think the underlying difference was I was was talking about the top 10 games that I would want to play right then. Well, the gaming, the out-of-game Hall of Fame is like, what are some games, what, what, are, what is a game that you've played that has some personal, it's like in your personal Hall of Fame. It doesn't it, necessarily have to analogy. be a, a great game. Tell me if you agree with this analogy. The okay. Hall of Fame is more like, like if you're ranking music, like you have your current favorite songs that you listen to, but then you have like your all-time list, songs that have memories for you that have been important and you would still listen to them again. Yeah, that's a good it's analogy. Like, it's, like, it's like your all-time list versus your current list. When we were doing our top 10, I think you were going more of this like your current favorites right. versus my all-time favorites. Yeah, and and the only caveat I would say there is they don't necessarily have to be your favorites. 
because they could just be games that have meaning to you for some reason, but you may not even like them anymore. Yeah. But it has such a place in your gaming history that you, it deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that's kind of how we're approaching the Hall of Fame. So we're each each of us, all three of us, are going to induct a single game into the Add a Game Hall of Fame. First game for each of us. So uh, we're going to start out with Chris. Chris, what is the first game you'd like to add to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, the, as we get more into the Hall of Fame, I think I'll have more interesting entries. This one is just kind of a no-brainer. I have to put it in there. It's D&D. Okay. We're just the RPG uh, gaming realm in general. There's so many memories of playing uh, the RPGs growing up, uh, high school, college, and then even beyond. You know, it's we talked about the Delaire campaign a lot, the Drawl campaign. These are like some classic games where... We had the foresight to record them because some of the scenes were, were so classic and like the memories we created and the storylines were so deep uh, that it's got to have an entry in the Hall of Fame. So I, I would say just based on the amount of memories alone for some of these RPGs, that would be my number one in my Hall of Fame. I think that is a very good choice. Yes, I would agree. It's hard to argue. Well, Tim, what do you think? Mine is kind of similar. It does stem from the early days of D&D when we played as kids. And uh, we got big into the miniatures, you know, at, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. And we used to have collections of them. And we made our own game. We would break out all our miniatures and set up a base. My dad crafted these little wood bolts out of uh, two-by-fours. We came up with our own system. We had our D20s from D&D, and those were our attack dice. And you'd load miniatures on a ship, sail to the other guy's island, do attacks and all this stuff. Wow. And we had them on these big boards in our bedroom. And when we were done for the day, we'd shove the board underneath the bed, (laughs) bring it back out the next day, and keep playing. And we played that uh, countless, countless times, years and years and years. Wow. It was just a lot of fun. It was something that we actually made up ourselves, kind of loosely based on D&D. And... uh, yeah, it was a lot of great fun. A lot of memories with my brother and a couple friends that did that. Oh, very cool. How, how did you? How, how do you win in that game? Like how to destroy the other guy? So it's just like you roll and then and then attack. yeah, you're, you're going like and you got your fighter going and attacking his cleric. You need a fifteen to hit him. If you roll a fifteen, his cleric's dead. Okay, and that's it. There's no defense. You just rolled, and if you got a hit, the other thing died. Cool. What and did you name the game? Yeah, we, we didn't name really it. have a name for. It. I mean, we were you know we were like seven, and that it wasn't important <laughs> to us. It was like. Hey, you guys want to do minis? And we'd break it out, set up a board, and 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 go to town. And cool. it, it was multi-day battles and stuff. And then we got really complicated. If you had a cleric that lived, he could resurrect a guy, bring a guy back. You know, magic <laughs> users could throw fireballs and kill multiple guys. So those were the guys that always got resurrected. So you wanted to kill people. And I think I would call this like epic homebrew miniatures. It pretty much is. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> multi-day games of yeah, <laughs> miniature it battles. Is, yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> I like Warhammer uh, 1.5K. It's funny that you just made up rules as you went. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty cool. I never did anything like that when I was a kid. I missed out, I think. So my game might be surprising because I've mentioned some negative things about this game in the past. But my first game I like to induct is actually Battlestar Galactica. Wow. So this used to be my number one game just on my actual top ten games, too. It's It's fallen from my graces. Or Fallen from Grace. Wow. It's not really in my top games now. But as far as Hall of Fame goes, I mean, I remember the first time I played this game, my mind was blown because I, had, I already loved um, Mafia slash Werewolf just from playing that in my past. And then to actually, the first time to have that integrated 
is just a one mechanism in a board game. So it's like you're playing a game already. The game's already hard. And then on top of that, you have this whole social deduction thing happening. Like just the combination of those two things. When plus I you first, like the theme. Yeah, when I first played it. Yeah, plus I, I did had seen the show. So it, it blew my mind. And that still is one of my favorite genres of games. And we were talking about this all the time. Uh, my current favorite probably being Dead of Winter. But there's no way I can include this in the Hall of Fame because I had so much fun playing this game before <laughs> before I soured on it. I, I think we just figured out some problems with the game the more we played it, but it, it really was a blast. And it was like one of the first games for our, our this game group, you know, with Chris and Tim. Yeah. When we started playing board games, this was like one of the two games that we played all the time. Yeah. We played this and Kalos. Those were like the only two games we played <laughs> for like a year. Until I got, I, it was driving me crazy, and I had to get some new games. Yeah, um, but well deserved, I think. Battlestar Galactica. It is, it is a good game. I mean, maybe with some time, some yeah. time passes, maybe we could get it out again sometime. But yeah, it's it, it does have a good structure to it. Yeah, you know, there, there are flaws which were exposed, unfortunately, but it deserves it. Yeah. So Battlestar. So that's the Out of Game Hall of Fame. Uh, first inductions. I'm pretty proud of our inductions. Yeah, we'll have to introduce more as time goes on. Yeah. All right. Time to move on to some table talk. Table talk. All right. Table talk. This time, instead of one one large topic, we have three smaller topics. And Chris, while we were at Gen Con this year, was making notes in his phone. He would like think of something randomly based on something that was happening at Gen Con, and he would just write it down. Never note. Yeah. And uh, yeah, write, write it down with his finger on a digital keypad on his phone. So <laughs> we decided to just take the three of the topics that Chris thought of and go through all of them in one episode. So they're not related in any way whatsoever to each nope. other. They're all pretty random. So we're just going to jump right into it. So the first one that Chris thought of is what celebrities would you want to play in a game with and what game? Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is when I was thinking of this question, I did not have an answer in mind. Yeah. And as we were coming up with a, you know, the outline for the podcast, I had a hard time even coming up with an answer to this one. What made you think of the question? I don't know. No? It I, wasn't anything with the Summer Glow experience? No, I think, I think just in general, while we were at Gen Con, I was thinking a lot, obviously, about gaming, but also the podcast and topics to talk about. And I think it was when we were eating dinner the night we were comped. And I was talking to Imad about um, some of the games they were playing with, uh, their, their co-op games, and they were talking about some of the people that played with them, and I think one of the inventors or something, and how it was cool to play with somebody who was known. And you were talking about seeing, I think it was Tom Vassell playing some games, and you were talking to him while he was yeah. playing. Kind of, and I was thinking, it would be interesting to sit down with, you know, like what celebrities would be interesting to, I don't know. Yeah, it was just okay, one of those okay, random thoughts. Okay. But like I said, I had a hard time. I, I jotted down a couple. I was thinking, I really like Five Tribes as a game, but I'm I'm horrible at it. <laughs> okay. And so I wanted to think of celebrities I could beat, but but it would be like <laughs> interesting. Okay. So so I thought um, if we got together all three actresses that played Sarah Connor, like <laughs> like in all the different movies. And just get them, because you need four people for it. Why would they be bad at Five Tribes? I can just picture none of them knowing how to play or caring you know, enough to like pick up the meeples and move them properly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think... So like, I think trying to find fact, out how you get your meeples guns. Yeah, well, just the fact that they were Sarah Connor, yeah. all in different 
versions of the movie would be kind of funny. But do you think she could see into the future? No. She, like, imagine the board state. Maybe Sarah she's... Connor was not good at that. Okay. She couldn't see the future very <laughs> right. well. Sure. So that would be one. I had another one. Cyclades is probably my favorite what? game. Cyclades. You've heard of that game, right? Have you heard of this game, Tim? Cyclades. Yeah, I've, uh, I've heard of it uh, a few different ways. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclades. It's Cyclades to you. Oh! <laughs> I had so no idea what you were talking about. Who would I like to play in this game? And so I came up with just a really eclectic group. Um, Tom Brady, you know, he's a competitive guy and he has like the deflate gate thing. He's going to cheat. Ian McKellen. Okay. You know, have him at the table. Megan Kelly from Fox News. She's kind of like an ex-attorney, sharp, but also have some interesting topic of conversation outside of the game. Somebody who thinks they're a real-life witch, like some dysfunctional, <laughs> like, whack job, a complete whack job, who, who doesn't really, isn't really plugged into reality. How is that a celebrity? <laughs> you know, maybe somebody on the news for believing that they are. You know, the fact that they think they're a witch is a celebrity status right there because they think they're important. Oh, my gosh. And then whoever the guy is that invented the slinky. That guy? I just found a slinky when we got here. I know. They're everywhere. The slinky is an underratedly great invention. I'd I'd just like to have a talk with them about that. So if we had a table, just to get a game of Cyclades going with that group. Another one I thought of was the entire cast of Lost. Just playing a game of Werewolf with the entire cast, except for Kate. What about Jacob? Well, yeah, Jacob. Wouldn't he, would he just win? It seems like he would know everything. Yeah, possibly. We'd have to remove him from the game. But that, that would be that. Would and be then fun. one, there's like the one guy that he's going to find a loophole in the game. Okay, so it's the actors, it's not the characters. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, you got to have Kate there. I mean, no, she she can't be there. She'd be like the seer or something, all knowing. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> uh, the only other one I had is the, I was trying to think of um, a game that I I'm good at. And there's not that many. But you know that game Slap where you have your hands underneath somebody? Yeah. It's not a board game, but I'm really good at that game. Yeah, it's annoying. Oh, you, uh, oh yeah, I've played with you. Oh, that's right. ridiculous. <laughs> that's right. I want to play Russell Crowe in that game. I want to openly challenge anyone who ever sees Chris at a convention. I guarantee you cannot beat him at Slap. If you beat Chris at Slap, I'll, I'll buy you something from the food truck at Gen Con. <laughs> Do you remember Phil was trying to cheat? Yeah. He was playing the game against me because he couldn't stop me from doing it. Uh. Anyway. I want to play Russell Crowe in that game because <laughs> I find him so annoying. Uh, I okay. can't stand Russell Crowe. I want, I want to play him in a game of slot. Would you rather play him or Bill Clinton? Russell Crowe. Wow, you're like uh, more annoying than Bill Clinton? Yeah, Bill Clinton would actually be interesting. I, I would almost include him in one of the games just okay. to talk to him as we're playing. I don't want to get into the political Yeah, thing. that's probably not a good idea. We're going to lose fans. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Russell Crowe. That, that's, that's all I have. Wow. It's pretty uh, good. I, should we just end it? I might... <laughs> I had one person written down. I feel like oh, I should actually, modify that. I had them. a whole thing here. Okay. Yeah, I had uh, Kira Knightley, Jessica Alba, Megan Fox, <laughs> Natalie Portman, and Salma Hayek. <laughs> and uh, I was going to play something like Twilight Imperium. That's like, you know, 16, 20 hours. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you want to be in the room with them for like 16 to 20 hours? <laughs> yeah, there you go. But if I was going more realistic, I'd probably do like uh, X-Wing miniatures with like uh, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford oh, on the other side. There you go. Who's Mark Hamill? That'd be uh, that's way 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 way. This hold is like a Mario moment. That's way worse. <laughs> that is way worse. I don't know who real, is Mark. I don't know Hamill. real names of, of celebrities. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I know Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford was. Well, did you just say Luke Skywalker? 
Oh my gosh! I don't know his no, real name. I just Mark said Harrison Hamill. Ford. Well, yeah, Han Solo. Oh, but okay. I didn't. I, but Harrison Ford. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well. Wow. All right. Cool. I'm officially off the hook with the Mario. Kart. What, <laughs> what else does that guy? What else has he been in besides that? That was it. But that's all exactly Luke Skywalker. It's Luke Skywalker. Why am I supposed to know his real name? All right. I admit I should know his name. <laughs> I'll defer. But between the two, I'll still go with the first one because you know. No, of course. <laughs> Wait, what's your list again? The the actresses. Uh, Kira Knightley. Jessica Alba, Megan Fox, Natalie Portman, and Salma Hayek. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't have time to modify my answer while Chris was talking. Why? You had plenty of time. That's true, but I was so I was so engrossed in what he was saying that So I had that I would want to play um, back to Battlestar. I would want to play Battlestar Galactic. Galactica with Edward James Olmos. Oh, that's a great answer. I, Although you need more than two wait, people. wait. You know who he is? Yeah. Oh, okay. I had to look it up though. I just, <laughs> I just knew him as a Tom. <laughs> well, don't you want the the whole cast? Well, I thought your question was a single celebrity. Oh. Okay. So it does say what celebrity? Yeah. Now I see well, you that. You could say the entire cast. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want the entire cast though. If I if I were to include others, I would want to. I don't know their names, but I would want Gata, the guy who plays okay. Gata. Because he was like my favorite character. Why well, was he your favorite? Gator was awesome. Gata I love Gator. Gator was not. He awesome. stuck to what he believed. Gator was. He got interlocked for it. Oh my gosh. Gator was uh, a man. I loved Gator. He was like right. a nerd. I was like the. I did feel bad for him. I was like the nerdy guy in these shows because I feel like I relate to them. See, I would go to the old school. Oh, I've, never, I've never seen that old. The uh, old one. Yes, um, Richard Hatch was Apollo, and Dirk Benedict Starbuck. You got Lauren Green as Adama. Yeah. yeah, see, this is where we have a generation gap. Yeah, that's uh, a classic yeah. show. But, yeah, I would want the guy who played Gata. I think I would probably want Starbuck. I like Starbuck. You didn't yeah. like Starbuck? No. Is it just because it's like the coffee? Oh, and the guy who plays, um, I don't even know what is, the, the, the guy that was in uh, Quantum Leap. The guy that was like number two. He was like Brother Cavill in, in Galactica. Oh, right, right. The Cylon. Yeah, the Cylon guy. That guy is great. And he has the best... He has the best like monologue in the whole show. I, I think I've mentioned this before, where he where he was, he made me actually <laughs> from listening to his. He he went off about how he had to watch like a, a, a supernova with like with the human with human eyes instead of his silent eyes, and he it, he was so convincing in his argument. I actually started believing that humans were inferior. Wow, it, it, which is like in a science fiction show, it's not even real. Yeah. But it was it was such a good tirade about it that I was like, wow, he's right. You're like, it would be great to see that in multiple spectrums. <laughs> <laughs> so you convinced you maybe you are a silent. Yeah, so that guy, I would definitely want him. You're in the leaving game. out some of the best characters. You're not. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm having to think off the top of my head. Who? Who am well, I leaving out? So Apollo. No. First of all. No. He was a prima donna. Okay. <laughs> what about um, Sharon? Um, what's her real name? I can't remember her real name. Yeah, she, she was, was a okay. great character. Yeah, she was a good character. I, you're right. Um, Which one though, Boomer or Apollo? Boomer, the, Boomer or Apollo? Uh, Boomer. Okay. And then, gosh, you wanted Starbuck out. No, not Apollo. What was her new name? Athena. Yeah. Athena was. But, her name. but Boomer. Is okay. Still, yeah. The guy, the chief. Oh, the the one eye guy, Saul. Saul. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would yeah. want him yeah, in there yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Just the the reason I pictured uh, Adama though is if you were a Cylon, I would be sweating if I was a Cylon and he was in the game. Yeah, because he's the admiral. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be able to like look him in the eye. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Speaking of Adama, I, I think of all like captains or admirals or leaders of any kind of any ship in any show ever, he's my favorite. Wow! Wow! 
So who are we talking about? We're talking about like uh, the typical Captain Kirk. Yeah, way better than Captain Kirk. Uh, who else do we have? The TNG one, the Picard. Yeah, Picard. And then I, I, he's the best, I, I think. I can't. He was very good. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along. All right. Question number topic number two from Chris. Yeah, this is a good one. I like. Actually, I want to see if I want to do this one next or last. Yeah, we'll do it now. Why don't you read this question, Chris? So the question I came up with was, <laughs> who would you root for? Okay, so let me give a little backstory in this. So we were at the restaurant. For anybody who heard our last episode, we went out to eat at Gen Con, and uh, you know it was a bunch of us gamers at the table, and we we cracked out a co-op game and started playing it. What was the name of it again? The Grizzled. The Grizzled. So it was. Once again, three it's, of us. it's horrible. Don't buy the game. <laughs> it, was, it was Ryan doesn't like the game. <laughs> it was three of us playing the game, and apparently, I don't know much about the history of the game. Obviously, I couldn't remember the name of it. It's very hard to win this game, and it's a pure co-op game. So it's you against the game, and I, I don't know if it's always three people or if no. it's preferred three people. No, or, it goes up. To okay, like so six, it goes up. Yeah. But it's very hard to win this game. So there, as we were walking to the restaurant, these guys were talking about the game, and there was I think five people. You know, at least four people were talking about their experiences with this game as we're going in. And, you know, the intrigue started. And so we just we corrected the game we were playing as we were waiting for our food to come. And we were doing really well. And it looked very good for winning the game. And a couple of guys there, I think Chip had mentioned, uh, you just it's he's played the game like dozens of times and hasn't won yet. And he wants to just win the game at least once. It's like a pinnacle thing. Nathan was kind of saying a similar thing. Ahmad hadn't won the game yet. So we're, we're talking about you know how impossible this game is to win. And it looked like just on a whim, before dinner, <laughs> we're playing this game and we were about to win. And the three of us playing, obviously, I, you know, I wanted to win because it was my first time playing. It would be a great story. But um, the two guys at the table that weren't playing the game but loved the game, they were watching with interest, rooting against us. <laughs> So the question, I just found it a very interesting thing. Not that I disagree with them, but it was just interesting how as the game progressed and we did end up losing, which was we we came one card away from winning and then it started stockpiling, snowballing, and it fell apart. But as we started doing worse in the game, these two were high-fiving. You know, and you know, we would suffer injuries with our, our guys would be hurt and we would have to draw cards and it was just a, a bad juju. And they were like laughing and fist bumping and who was it? I'm guessing it was Nathan. Na- it was it was Nathan and Chip. And Chip. So, so these guys were nice. You know, they they were and I not that it was offensive, I just found it interesting. So I thought as my question, would you root for in quotes the game in a co op game if you watched other people playing? <laughs> Like, would you actually root against the, the guys and in favor of the game, especially if it was a game that was very hard to win and you hadn't won yet? Okay. So I guess I'll be the first to answer my own question. You know, I was I was a little disturbed that we were being cheered against and that they were rooting for the game, especially when we were losing. But I would have to admit, just in honesty, you know, if it was a game I struggled with winning and then, you know, some newbie comes along and they were, they were playing it, I would kind of be happy if, if they weren't able to win. So I would root for the game. Okay. I, I think I'm in the same camp. It's just, you know, if it's something special you're really wanting to play and you're not having defeated it and stuff, you, you don't want someone to beat it before you do. So, right. yeah, I think, I think I'm think i going to be uh, rooting for the game. Right, especially because in this case, I think if you win this game, you don't play the game anymore. It's almost you, like... You are probably done. You're probably... Yeah, it's... 
what else can you do besides win this game, which is very hard? Not playing the game is probably a good idea. I agree with yeah. that. It's yeah. probably the only winning move. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> so For more games. <laughs> this is a weird... I mean, the context is a little different, I guess. I don't know that I would necessarily care if I had won the game or not. I- I'm just going to pretend that I like co-op games for the sake of the question. Just hypothetically. hypothetically. <laughs> um, I would only root for the game... If I was, if there were people that I wanted to annoy that were playing the game, so I would only do it to annoy people. That would be the only reason. It wouldn't be because of they. I haven't beat it and they're about to. So, for example, if Dave was in the game, I would root. I would root for the game. Well, of course. Well, yeah, that's what that's. Or saying. probably if you were in it too, I'd probably probably root for the game. What about Tim? Tim always wins. Well, no. Well, I would have already beat the game. So right. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter if Tim wins. Yeah. That's standard. I, there's no shame if so. Are you a game factoring of in that you would like co-op games, though? Are you adequately factoring that in? I have to factor that in, don't I? Because if you enjoy co-op games, and this is a game that you're looking forward to playing, you okay. haven't won yet, and then these people are playing it, wouldn't you want the game to beat them? The reason that it doesn't matter to me is because I typically lose games, so it's okay. not like there's so no. You're not competitive in that way. No, I'm competitive, but. I've accepted the fact that I don't win much. So for me to to wish I was winning before people would, you know, you know what's it's funny like I thought I wouldn't have. I need to talk about the fact that you don't win and the way you're saying it. <laughs> of of all of us, I think Ryan is the most into gaming. Like you probably own the most games. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're passionate, you produce the podcast, you do all the editing, you do all the work behind it. And yet when we sit down to play games, you do have a like a bad luck streak or some there's something wrong happening. <laughs> There's like a black cloud over you that prevents you from winning. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just an ironic thing. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I love gaming, but I'm not good at it. That's pretty much how it is. Although I, I did win uh, the game of Five Tribes at Gen Con. I was pretty happy oh. about that. Huh? So I had one amazing move that I think won me the game where I got, I actually got ownership of the two highest point tiles in the same move. Yeah, that's, that was a very nice move. Yeah, so I think that that pushed me ahead. So anyway, that's my answer. So let's move on, on to the last question. To the last question, which might be the most controversial, I think. I'm Could thinking be. it's got to be. So the question. Well, why don't you ask your question, Chris? That's my question. So <laughs> I noticed that there's a growing trend in a lot of games to use symbols. Yeah. Uh, for example, Seven Wonders is one. Um, they use a lot of symbols in Roll for the Galaxy. Yep. But they also had text in there. And so that kind of spurred the thought. What do you think of the growing trend of using symbols versus text description in games? No. So I have a very strong opinion on this. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I actually loathe symbols. <laughs> like, I, 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 if I see symbols, they annoy me, even if I'm not involved in the game. Okay. I really don't like them. I know why they're doing it. It's a language thing, and they can produce the same game in multiple countries, and it's almost like they're creating their own language with these symbols because when, once you assign meaning to it, uh, you don't need the words in theory. But what, you know, I'm like an old-school Magic the Gathering player, and they used to use symbols and keywords all the time. You remember this. You know, there'd be like a symbol or a word, and they wouldn't explain it. And that was fine for me because I played all the time, and so I, it didn't matter. But to new players, they were they were confused by the keywords. They didn't know what the you know like uh, what flanking meant or you know what echo meant. And so what Wizards of the Coast started doing was putting in parentheses, you know, like a one phrase meaning of it. 
And so there was no longer a need to look that up or to ask rules questions because it was there. And for the people who liked the word, the word was still there too. So there was some maybe some extra text that you didn't need. Worst case, text is always better. Always better. Oh, I'm tapping my hand. I'm getting <laughs> fist shook at me. So with Seven Wonders, I love Seven Wonders. It's one of my favorite games. But... When we go a few weeks without playing it, I forget what some of the symbols are. Yeah. And some of that is on me because I know a lot of the other people don't have that same problem. Some people forget because they haven't played in months. But it could just be a couple weeks for me and I'll see a symbol. And, I, you know, and so I've got to either bother Ryan or Nathan or somebody to explain what the symbol is or I have to look it up. All they have to do is put a little... It's not, they don't even need a lot of text. It's just a little bit of text. This is what it means. And it, it's going to make the game flow better. You have less interruptions, less people being bothered by rules questions, and everybody it just <clears throat> makes the game move faster. The symbols really play against my ADHD okay? because it's too interruptive. I want to just play the game. I don't need these cute symbols. They're trying to do me a favor by leaving words out. It doesn't help. I don't care about the language barrier. Produce different languages in different countries. That's not my problem that there's a language barrier. You know, put it in the language of the people who are playing so that they know what to do. So what about games that have both? Both is fine. Okay. All right, Tim, I'm curious. Do you have any, any thoughts on this? It's, it's so funny because I am so opposite camp. Love the symbols. Love the shorthand. It's just, it's cleaner. You know, at a glance, I can see what it is. I don't have to read a sentence to know what it's doing. And I was actually going to use the exact same magic example. I... I in the beginning, yeah, it said banding. That's all it said. So if you didn't know what banding was, you had to go look it up in the uh, reference. And then later they started putting banding. And then the sentence, I'm like, oh, my God, you're wasting card space. <laughs> I know what banding is. If you don't know what banding is, go look it up in the rules guide. And if, if it's a game you truly love, you will learn the lingo. And it's great just to have that summarized word and not this sentence that I now have to, to chew down and read. Um, so same thing in other games. I can look at the symbol and know exactly what it is and not have to try to read more text on top of it. Quicker decision-making, quicker planning, quicker turns. Yeah. I, I Unless mean, you don't know it. Yeah. But then there's a quick, simple reference to the manual. Look at the five symbols that are in the game. See what they are. Leave it in front of you if you have to because you haven't played it in a while. And Well, the problem is in Seven Wonders, there's more than five. There's like a ton of symbols. And then when they do the expansions... And I think the expansions was really my problem with it. Because the base game, the symbols, you know, you play a few times and they start catching on. But then, you know, you got the leaders and then the... The cities had more symbols. Oh, my gosh, and the cities. And then there's like this black symbol that I I don't know what that means. And if it was just like five or so, and if we played more, it would probably be fine. But the speed is definitely not helped when you have to look up the rules. At least for me. I think if... Maybe if I had a better memory, it would be a problem. But yeah, it's just as long as they're not sacrifice. I mean, if if the card's going to be half blank because they didn't put the text on, then okay. But if there's other good stuff they could put on that and have the symbol instead, and then have other interesting stuff, then to me that's just a, it's a waste of space that they could have used for something better. Well, roll for the galaxy was interesting because mm-hmm. it did have both, and you know I didn't. You know it was our first time playing it, and if it didn't have the text on there. Right. We would have been completely confused. Yeah. And not only confused playing it, but like I, I would I would learn the symbol one minute, but the game is so new, it would be like maybe three turns later, I would I would forget. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's just the way my mind works. It would be a problem. That, but it had the text there, and I remember thinking, thank God the text is on there. Yeah. So I have a few things to say about this. Tiebreaker. <laughs> Tiebreaker. Well, I think my answer is probably going to be obvious to people, but maybe not. 
I, I am in complete agreement with Tim. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Once again, you crazy horse-sized duck people. <laughs> so, okay, here, here's my reasons. First of all, I would say overall, Chris, and I think you probably agree with this, that you're probably in the minority. I agree with that. So game companies, you know, they have to produce the games that are going to sell and appeal to the most people. That being aside, though, we're talking about our preference. And I think I actually have a, a huge love for games that are language independent because my half of my family, English is a second language. But what if they have both symbols and text? Because they could still Well, I'll, I'll get to that. So, so games that have no text at all and all symbols, those are the only games I can play with, with my in-laws because they, they, it would be too hard for them to read and comprehend text. So every game that we play with them has zero text. And Esther can, she'll just explain the rules to them and then they'll understand it. So language independence, I think, is important. And, but I don't think that's the only reason the companies are doing it. I think that's one reason. Because they still have to write the rules and not all games can get by with just symbols. I think that situation, though, is the way more of a minority, though. It probably is. But I'm talking my personal preference. Yeah. So I think the second thing is one advantage to symbols is if you're sitting around a table with people and you want to know what their stuff does, you can just look at the symbol across the table and see it rather than getting up and walking over there and like getting like I would get in your space and like read your cards. That would be annoying for you and me to have to do that. But if I could just look at across the table and see, oh, that that symbol, I, I know what that does or I have a reference sheet so I can figure out what everyone's doing just by looking across the table instead of having to stand up and go read something. So that's another advantage that I see. I think one caveat, though, is it ha- the symbols have to make sense. Like, the graphic design has to be done well. Just random symbols isn't helping. The symbols have to be, like in Alien Frontiers, if you look at those symbols, you can look at it and it makes perfect sense the way they drew it, what it, what exactly that symbol means. So... That's that's a really good point. Yeah. Alien Frontier symbols are are well done. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think I've had a, a problem understanding them. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with it is the quality of the symbols. Like the Seven Wonder symbols confuse the heck out of me. Yeah. And I play that game a lot. I play that game probably more than most other games that I play. And holy cow, the you know, like the weird arrow things and then like something with an X through it. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's it's very <laughs> unclear. I'm always going to the rule book yeah i think if you can look across the table like in your example and see the symbol on somebody's card and know what it is without the rule book then i would agree but it's that seems more often than not not the case yeah because you got to go to the rule book yeah and you mentioned the rule book i think everyone should have an easily accessible reference sheet for the symbols so we're not like passing around a rule book that's actually a problem i have with seven wonders is i wish everyone had a cheat sheet instead of one rule book that everyone has to pass around and look at to, to learn the symbols. Now, you may, you asked about games that have both, and I actually prefer that. I, I would prefer they had both, to be honest, because for Roll for the Galaxy, they have both, right? So there's a card game called Race for the Galaxy, which Roll for the Galaxy is based off of, that has no text. It's just those symbols. And I have such a hard time playing that game that I I don't even want to play it. When Roll for the Galaxy came out... It completely replaced it for me. Wow. I, I don't even want to play it anymore because it's too hard to remember everything. So I prefer games that have both. Now, there's another game I have called Targi, and I actually love what they did. They 
they're able to do this. You couldn't do this in every game, but the board ha- you like you lay out this border of cards, and the cards are double sided. On one side is just a symbol, and on the other side is all text. So when you're first playing the game, like the first few times you play, you use the text side until everyone learns what all the they're like action spaces. Everyone learns what they do, and then once you know the game well enough, you play it with just the symbols and you don't need to have the text anymore. So they did it both in like a kind of unique well, way. I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I agree with using both. I think both is good. I like the way Race or Roll for the Galaxy did it. And your frustration with Race for the Galaxy is exactly my point. Yeah. And, and I think part of it for me, at least for me, is the symbols in Roll for the Galaxy and Race for the Galaxy, I don't think are intuitive. Right. And I think that's why I, I had a hard time with it. I, when I was teaching the game, that was my biggest. I was struggling, even though I had played the game. I was looking at that cheat or cheat card thing, and I was struggling to remember what the actions were by just looking at the cheat card because it symbols, only had man. symbols. And I don't think they're done well in those games. Well, the, that's the problem, though. If they're going to make symbol-based games, yeah, like Race for the Galaxy, and then push it on you and expect you to deal with it. You know that's kind of a selfish move on their part. Mm-hmm. You know to say, well, we want to make this language independent, and if you don't, if you can't read the symbols, that's not our fault. I don't like that. I think they, you know, we're the customer. If we want uh, something that's going to help us understand the game better, that should be worth something. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question about Seven Wonders. Do you guys understand all this? Like, if we played him Seven Wonders, would you know all the symbols? The only ones I can never remember are the ones on the Wonders. I remember all the ones on the cards. What about the leaders, like the expansions? Yeah, I would have trouble with the leaders because we haven't played it much. I think once you struggle with knowing what they are, then it's it, it's dumb at that point. <laughs> you, should, you should have both. You should have both text and symbols because the whole point of doing that is... You know, you're supposed to. You're not supposed to be always going to the rule book. Yeah, I think if you're always going to the rule book, something's broken. You might be right, and I don't know if language independence is a reason they do it or not. I, it probably is part of it. And some wonders does have big cards. It's not like there isn't space on the card. Yeah, right. I mean, they're like tarot sized cards. Yeah. yeah, and and Tim brought up a good point about magic. I remember when in the early days there was a very limited space because yeah. I don't know if the technology was just poor with the font size. Yeah, font they, size was really large. Yeah, they couldn't reduce it anymore, so you really had a real estate issue. And then with the recent cards, there's tons of... There's somehow, in the same amount of space, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot more space, it seems like. Yeah. Because they're fitting in these really long descriptions and flavor text. Yeah, it's true. I don't know how they're doing that. So I think real estate is important to consider, too. So in Magic, though, the tap symbol is... is they don't write the word tap, right? No. No. So that's a symbol you have to know. Yeah, it is. Are there some but, others? Well, they started creating an untap symbol. Right, right. Uh, what else is there? I mean, it's all the mana stuff, all too. The mana yeah, all the mana. So wouldn't that be annoying? Instead of a mana symbol, it said mountain. Well, maybe something. Maybe that's a good point that the quality of the symbols is a factor. Yeah. Because the quality of the symbols are very good yeah. for the mana and for tap. You know, it's very intuitive that that's what that means right and maybe if better quality went into it then it wouldn't be as big of a problem yeah because i never had a problem with the mana i mean that's yeah and this goes back to graphic design the graphic designer has to do a good job they're the ones who design lay out all everything and you know they make the game intuitive by what you're seeing yeah and you know some games are amazing like alien frontiers i think that's one of the reasons i like it so much is it's very it's very aesthetically pleasing yeah. to even look it's at the well board. Designed. 
It's, yeah. it's just so nice looking and it all makes sense. Anything else to add on this? I, I, I feel like we actually almost came to a consensus on well, this I don't think, topic. I don't think Tim is on board. No? <laughs> I still... You, know. you, you wouldn't like... Would you prefer symbol only or symbol and text both? Uh, I know it does come down to the card. I mean, if it's going to take away from other things that can go on that card, I'm, I'm all for the symbol. Okay. Like uh, flavor text. Would you rather have a in symbol... In some instances, yeah. Like, especially when we go back to like the magic cards... You've created these terms, banding, flanking, for a reason. So to explain it to me on every card, I, I want to just rip the card off and take that text out. I'd rather have something else there. Okay. And I think I think a, a big difference is how often that symbol comes up. If it's coming up a lot, like the mana has got me thinking. Same with the tap symbol. You're always seeing it. Right. Nah. And, and you're, it's overwhelming you to the point that you're going to learn it. When Seven Wonders, and I think uh, Roll for the Galaxy... You're not the symbols are not you're not inundated with them with the same ones. I mean the seven wonder ones are very unique. Yeah, you know they'll they'll have like a very obscure symbol that you'll you'll never see that symbol anywhere else. You know that's probably a better use of having text underneath it. Well, let us know what you guys think. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff. symbols or text or both. I think that pretty much wraps up episode fourteen of Out of Game. I want to thank Tim again for stopping by coming out again yeah it's a good time (laughs) to record interesting stuff enjoy the conversation uh once again you can find us at bgg guild 1990 by going out to our webpage, clicking on the board game geek guy you can also find us on twitter at oog podcast and on facebook at facebook.com slash oog podcast once again, though, we don't post anything there. But feel free to visit us on Facebook. I actually did put some pictures up recently, so you can go look at those. Uh, you can send us an email. We're, we're, we're starting to kind of run out of questions, listener questions. I mean, we still have some left, but we could use some more. You know, if you just want to send us like 15 questions at once, we'd be happy. So send us some questions via email. And you can also leave us a voicemail. We want to hear your, your lovely voice and play it on the show. Or if you don't want us to play it on the show, just tell us and we won't if that's holding you back. But it's 40 OOG OOG 80. Do we even have the technology to play a voicemail? Yes. On the show? I, oh, so I, you're talking about holding it up to the microphone? No, I'm gonna, I would rip it into an MP3. Wow, see, that's, that's fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy stuff here we're talking about. 40 OOG OOG 80. That's 406 646 6480. In case you like numbers. It's all even numbers. Instead of letters. That's right, except for the zero. Zero, zero, even number? No. I was considered an even number. Yeah, I'd almost consider it even, but I, technically, I don't know. I think zero is its own entity. That bothered, that bothered me. If you, if you guys know if zero is an even number, leave us a voicemail and let us know. <laughs> we'll play it on the show. All right, I think that's it for now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Good night. Good night. See you next time.